This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk, and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Deanne Goodman. She's an award-winning journalist with a background in digital and TV news reporting. Her mission is to create videos and podcasts that inspire and change lives. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are now in terms of your profession and some of kind of the, the steps that you took? Absolutely. So I always knew I loved to talk and hear people's stories. But when I went into college, I didn't go in thinking I'm going to be a journalist. I actually went in thinking I wanted to be a child psychologist. And then I changed that and decided I wanted to be a diplomat. And then I looked at the foreign service exam and I said, never mind. What do I like to do? I like to talk. So I interned at a TV station and got to shadow the reporters there. And I thought, oh my gosh, you get paid to do this. This is like my dream job. So I worked really hard to get a demo reel made as an intern and then I sent it out to a bunch of different stations and nobody got back in touch with me so I was like about to graduate college and everyone else either had a job or was going to med school or law school and I was like I don't know what I'm gonna do but I decided to get in my car and I went to college in Nashville I'm from San Diego and I was just gonna drive from Nashville to San Diego and personally hand deliver my tape all the little tiny news stations along the way. And the very first day of my drive, I got offered a job on the spot in Greenville, Mississippi. And I drove for another, I think I told him, okay, give me like 48 hours and I'll give you an answer. And I drove for another 48 hours, dropped off my tape a few more places and did not get hired on the spot. And I turned around and stayed in Greenville. And that was kind of how I broke into TV news. And I worked there as what's called a one-man band reporter where you set up the camera, you do all the interviewing, and then you jump in front of it when you need to be on camera, you edit your own videos. And then after a year there, I was able to move on to a bigger market. And and basically for me, just leave Greenville. Um, this particular town in Mississippi was, there's just not a lot to do. And it was kind of depressing out there. So I ended up getting hired in Oregon as a main anchor, and I loved Oregon, Um, worked there for three years, and then ended up leaving TV News in 08, partly due to the economy tanking, and um, I had just moved back to San Diego to freelance at the stations here, and they were letting go of other freelancers, and I switched to digital news, and it also um, had to do with like a string of events that occurred in my life while I was reporting that kind of led me to see that TV news industry might not be the best place for me. It, it was very negative and I didn't want to be covering all that negativity. I wanted to cover a lot of the positive, happier news. So I ended up getting um, some dream jobs, which let me do some of these really positive, amazing stories. And then in 2014, my husband and I, who was my boyfriend at the time, launched our own company called Kombucha on Tap, which is a healthy beverage, and it's a distribution company. And so I took a 360 in my career and went from journalist to beverage distributor, something I never thought I would do. And we worked around the clock for a couple of years, 
launching our startup and now we have 12 employees and I'm really part-time with that and more back to doing my journalism and launched a podcast in October, which has been now my like big passion project. So that's, that's a long story short of, of that. And I also have a little toddler and I have a baby on the way. Well, congratulations on everything. It seems that your plate is very full. And <laughs> currently, how are you balancing it? Because I'm sure there's other women that are entrepreneurs that may want to start a business or a podcast or even get into journalism or some of the other things you mentioned. So what do you do or how do you keep on top of everything in balance? I'd say some days I do a really good job with it and other days I don't. But one thing I've learned that works best is to focus. So it's real easy to just want to do everything. And you can't or at least if you have a lot on your plate you have to pick one thing so for me the podcast has been my focus and before I would always have like five different focuses and that maybe works but now I just get it really honed in on like what's the one thing that I can put most of my attention to and of course family is first obviously and then the other thing I do I'm a work at home stay at home mom and as my child has gotten more active and mobile I just realized I need, I need help and that's an okay thing to ask for and to do. So I put her in a daycare two days a week and that allows me to have some time to actually spend time on work, which is so funny because in, back in the day, I'd be like, oh, you know, we got to go work. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I get to go and like work today and go to a coffee shop if I want to. And it's so exciting. So it's kind of funny to just have that, that mind shift. But I'd say ask for help. And then the other thing I do is utilize like the YMCA over here, our gym membership includes two hours of childcare a day. So I go to the YMCA. I might not even be wearing my workout clothes. I drop her off in the childcare and then I just take my laptop and I'll sit out by the pool or I'll sit just at a table and I'll work and get my work done there. No, that's awesome. And I think first time parents or parents in general sometimes feel guilty uh, sending their kids to daycare or if they have the capacity to watch them themselves. Um, I know we spoke, you know, a few weeks ago about myself being a foster parent. We kind of felt mm -hmm. that way as well, but it's kind of balanced and the kids get to interact and you still get your kind of time. Like you said, you look forward to, to working and it's kind of a, a healthy balance. Very healthy and the kids love it. Oh my gosh, my daughter loves daycare. Like the biggest smile on her face when I drop her off and pick her up. So I know she's she's getting playtime, which is awesome. Yeah, I think that's important in terms of child development, mm -hmm. that interaction with other kids as well. Absolutely. So from becoming a journalist and then obviously a podcast host, how did you end up founding Kombucha on Tap? <laughs> so we were, so my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, he worked in media too. And he had a business trip in Bend, Oregon, where I used to be a news anchor. And so I just told him, hey, I'd love to go with you on this trip. I want to see some old friends. And this was 2013. So when we were there, kombucha was on tap everywhere we went. And I drank it in bottles. So I was just, my mind was blown. I had no idea it could be a beverage on tap. And he didn't even know what kombucha was. So I just kept making him drink it. I'm like, drink this stuff. And I told him, hey, no one's doing this in Southern California on tap, and I really think this would be a good market for it. So we did our research, and no one was doing it. So we just reached out to one brand and said, can we distribute you on tap? And then it kind of snowballed from there, getting more and more brands. So that was 
that was how we did it. We just saw a window of opportunity and we took it. No, that's great. I think obviously oftentimes that's what happens. You don't kind of wait or find the, the perfect time because I don't think it's ever a perfect time. You just kind of seize that moment and you run with it. Exactly. And we did and we didn't we didn't sit on the idea. We did our research. We did our due diligence, but we went for it. And I think that was so important because if we had waited till we knew everything about the industry or everything about being a distributor, we'd still be waiting. And we had never tapped a keg in our lives. And now our business is all about kegs. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, I think uh, there's beauty in that because a lot of people in terms of uh, founding a business, myself with this podcast, I thought everything should be perfect, which I started. And if you listen to some of the first episodes, it really is not at all. And people wait or trying to, you know, find the right moment. And I think it's important, like you said, you just do it and you learn along the way. I think there's a, a beauty in kind of failing, learning and then becoming good at it. Absolutely. And I'm the same way with my podcast. I mean, every episode, I feel like it gets better and better. And that's a good thing. And I'm still figuring it out. I'm now, you know, trying to join as many podcast groups so I can learn everything about podcasting. But you got to start somewhere. Yeah, I had a format where it was just by myself. And then, you know, two and a half, three months ago, I switched over to interview. And then we'll probably switch the format again to interview and then myself in, in terms of commentary and then interview again. So it's like ever evolving like you said, groups and kind of peers that have, you know, like-minded goals or activities that you can learn from is very important. And it's, you know, a free asset. I think that's important for an entrepreneur mm -hmm. or if someone's trying to get into anything that they're interested in. Absolutely. Especially because as an entrepreneur or a solopreneur, you sometimes feel isolated and alone, like you're your own little island and you're not. There's a way to have connection with others and see what others are doing. And with any business, you know, most people aren't reinventing the wheel. Like usually there's someone out there who's done it and how you can do it and either perfect on it or do it a little differently. No, I agree. And now I think I ask a personal question that kind of stumps people. People think it's a good question, but what's one flaw that you've had that you kind of redefined it and turned it into an asset? One flaw I've had? Oh gosh, we just only pick one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, one flaw that I've had that I've turned into an asset. Yep, it stumps people all the time. It does stump people. It's something me. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is I love to sleep. And so I was never a morning person. But I think having a kid kind of forced me to change that. And now it's an asset. <laughs> okay, let me think about that. I might have to get back to you on that one later in the podcast for some the episode for something like a little more juicier than sleep. Um, the only other thing that comes to mind would be controlling, like wanting to control everything in my life and realizing you don't have control over everything and just letting things go. Let it, let it happen the way it's going to happen and it's okay. You can fix yourself, but you can't always fix others. No, that's true. And that is good advice because all the chaos around you, even if you think something's perfect one minute, Sure, you know, likely than not, something's going to implode at some point. So you kind of have to run with it, with life in general and business and personal and everything in between. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. So for somebody that wants to start a podcast, um, obviously you have a journalism background, which obviously helped you in terms of communication. What do you think are some important traits for somebody that wants to be a podcast host, uh, be on podcast interviews, regardless of the format? I would say to know your why, why you're doing it is 
so important because this is a new medium for me. My background is video. I love being on camera, um, not in like a narcissistic way. I just, that's what I naturally gravitate to. So podcast is just talking and, and that's such a great way to interact with other people or do a solo show and have your opinions. But um, knowing your why is really important because like launching anything, whether it's a blog or a podcast, you got to start somewhere. And unless you're a celebrity or you have this giant email list, you're probably not going to have this huge audience. And when you are growing it and you're doing it week after week, you want to stick with it and you want to, it's something you're, if you're passionate about, you're going to keep going. There's so many people from what I've heard of statistics that don't make it past their fifth or seventh episode. They kind of get into it and then it fades out. And if you know your why for why you're doing it, you're going to stick with it. So for me, my why is my podcast is in happier news and it's all about positive news and inspiring people like yourself who I've interviewed. And my why for it is because I used to be the reporter that chased all the bad stories. And I ended up celebrating the death of my biggest fan, not knowing she was the one who was dying in a fatal accident that I was covering, but I was excited that it was a fatal which is so sick to say but at the time that industry kind of gets you to want to be like oh it's a bigger story if there's death involved and that changed my life um that story is a little more in depth than that but it's for me it's carrying on this biggest fan's legacy because she she had reached out to me in a time when i needed some validation and just sent me this really sweet email that said I love seeing you on the news. You're my favorite reporter. And that was a validation that, that carried me through many years at that station. So for me, doing this podcast is always like in her legacy of saying, okay, you know, I really want to spread positivity. And knowing my why has helped me on those times where I'm like, oh, my audience is still a lot smaller than I thought it would be. But that's okay. You know, if my audience is one person and I'm impacting one person, then I'm doing what I was put on this planet to do. No, I agree. And if, like you said, if you don't have your why, you'll you'll quit at some point. That's why in any industry or anything you're trying to do, a race of perseverance. So you just have to outlast per se. You know, all these yeah. people are going to drop off. Even if you're, you know, your business, I'm sure you have competitors or other things that you've, you know, competed indirectly or directly in terms of for a job, let's say as a journalist or things of that nature. The, the ones that drop off and quit, I mean, you just outlast them. Obviously, you have to be talented and have some kind of level of you know be competent in what you're trying to do but persevering in it and continuing on is like a, a big factor in, in deciding success huge factor and staying in your own lane it's very easy to compare yourself and your chapter one to somebody else's chapter 17 but if you're just focused keep your head down and focus on your own goals you're going to persevere a lot better and you know even like we were talking about a lot of these groups i'll see posts that are like I launched my first podcast, my first week, my first episode, and I have a thousand, and I'm like, of course I'm cheering them on. I'm like, good for you. That's amazing. But I'm like, I didn't have a thousand listeners on my first episode, you know, so it's, and it's like, that's great that they did. Who knows where they'll be in six months from now, and hopefully they'll be super successful. But it's always important to cheer others on, but also just stay in your own lane and don't compare yourself. Yeah, I think it's very important. I think when I stopped doing that, I became more laser focused at what my goals were instead of looking around and wasting energy fixated on why this person, you know, is further than me in, in this career or has this client or like you said, has this amount of downloads in terms of their podcast. 
Yeah. And you actually never know if people are really telling the truth anyways. I mean, you want to believe that everyone's honest, but who knows, you know? Yeah, a lot of stuff can be doctored. I mean, there's social media where you just highlight the, the positive parts or like the, the, the best moments of your life, vacation, things of that mm-hmm. nature, you getting a car. I mean, not everybody do- does it, but I mean, there's a lot of, you know, materialistic focus with that. I know. It's one of those things when people, and not everyone, of course, some people have these amazing relationships. So whenever people overly are bragging about how amazing their relationship is on social media, I'm always like, Hmm. Now, is it really? Or is this just, you know, they're just portraying this because they want it to be that way. Yeah, there's there's a lot of fronts. So if I post something on social, I'll put a disclaimer. If I'm at someone's house and they have a fancy car and I'm not taking a picture in front of it, but it might be in the background, I'll, I say, this is not my car. So I'm not trying to yeah. show off or, you know, front in any way. But same thing, if I meet, you know, a celebrity or influential person, I say, you know, it was nice meeting you at so-and-so. You know, full disclosure, we just met. This is not, you know, we're doing business or whatever, because there's like that that aura of, you know, assumption. So you post a picture and don't really say much about it. So people assume that, you know, your best friends or this is your yeah. car, or this is your home. And I mean, it, it's a lot. And, you know, social media has become an addiction in terms of like, you know, fluctuating dopamine levels and people have gone to therapy for social media. So I think it's important to not, you know, focus on that as well. Absolutely, yeah. And I feel really fortunate that it didn't exist when I was in high school and junior high because I think the kids these days that are growing up with it, it's a challenge when everyone's got filters on everything and you see everything in real time. So if you're left out of a party, you have to see that. That's hard. Yeah, that's why um, Facebook and, uh, well, Facebook owns Instagram, but they're they're playing around with the idea to remove the the like number so mm-hmm. it's not like a popularity that, yeah. contest which you know may help in a certain extent but but still yeah that's, it's a fascinating topic no it really is and I, I appreciate that your podcast is focused on positivity because there's a lot of a lot of negative stuff out there and that's what I actually try to do anything you see me posting even if somebody makes a negative comment I try to spin it around and like you know Maybe you said that and you're going through something in your life. Like, I'm sorry you feel that way. If you ever need to talk to someone, you know, I'm always here. That's good. Yeah, there's a lot of negativity out there. And a lot of people don't see, it's not that they don't seek out the positive, but, you know, it's easier to get bombarded by the negative. So by putting out a positive podcast or positive news and allowing people to have that, if that's what your feed is, you're just in a better mood every day. You know, when I log on to Instagram because I follow so many positive people, it's like, oh, it's nice to see all these inspirational messages or like good stories going on versus logging on and just being like inundated with the bad. I would set my day up for being more stressful and, and maybe more anxious. No, I agree. And that's a great way to start off your day. And like you said, you, you know, you left the news because it was so negative. I just stopped watching news altogether because one, it's super negative and all these, you know, uh, you know, war, murder, you know, fatal car accidents. And then any news organization in the U.S., I mean, they're skewing. It's supposed to be unbiased, but they're skewing one way or another and they're showing what they want to show you. It's not, you know, the complete transparent, accurate line of facts yep absolutely it is i will say that i wanted to drink margaritas every single day (laughs) after work to kind of escape all that negativity and and covering all those kind of stories and also i became very desensitized to death 
so I didn't even like like to me it was like oh go cover a homicide okay like it was just kind of like another day another homicide or another fatal car accident it wasn't even like a jarring thing like oh my gosh somebody died it's just like oh all right I'll go do it no I agree but in my heart of hearts I'm the type of person that wants to go cover like the puppies and like the cupcake shop that opened and like the happy stuff. I mean, that's that's who I am at my core. But I'm also competitive, and I was very much in that competitiveness of wanting to get ahead and be and be the best. So do what it takes. Yeah, I think like you said, why the reason why you got out of it? I think like you said, it desensitizes you. So careers like you know police officers and you know doctors, paramedics a lot of them leave or, you know, start becoming desensitized because they're seeing all these traumatic things day in and day out. And obviously that that's bad in terms of affecting your emotion and how you perceive things around you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you, and I'm not, you know, a psychiatrist, but I would say the desensitization is your brain and your body's way to like protect you. Otherwise, you know, you could have a lot of severe PTSD from what you're seeing or just, you know, if you don't desensitize to it, it's, it's hard to get the job done. No, I agree. So what's one thing you can leave with the audience in terms of advice, personal or professional or both? Let's see, one thing to leave with the audience. Um, I found that, I think this, and, and Tony Robbins says this, but the secret to living is giving. And I truly believe that. I think the more you give, the more you get in this world. But it just elevates, it elevates everything in your life. And... I am a giving person, but I would say my husband like brings it out the most in me to be even more giving. And I just like give whenever you can, like open doors for people. And, you know, if you can pay it forward in one way, shape or form, like do it. Even if it's like a really small gesture, like I always wanted to do a thing where I went through a drive through and bought the person's meal behind me. And I never did it for so long. So I was like, I don't know. I just have this thing where I'm like, well okay, I'll do it another time. And I finally did it and I felt so good about it. And it was one of those things where, you know, I didn't get a thank you and and that's totally fine. I didn't expect them to like jump out of the car because I was already long gone. I had already driven off. So I just thought, you know, like those little actions of things you can do feel so good. And you know that you help change someone's day and then maybe they'll help change someone's day. And it's all those chain reactions. So give as much as you can and know that it's going to come back to you in one way, shape, or form. And maybe that shape or form is just that you have a bigger smile on your face that day. No, I definitely agree. And like you said, I don't think you should wait and, you know, wait for the right moment to do something like you did, you know, big or small. You know, sometimes every time I go into a store, sometimes, you know, there's a homeless man or woman, like I'll straight out ask, you know, can I get you something, a sandwich, a drink, anything. Things like that, you know, donating a dollar, that can go a long way. Any little thing holding the door, like you said, and I think it kind of creates a um, a thing that may snowball out of control in terms of, you know, positivity and people seeing your actions. And then, you know, maybe I should be a little nicer or do things for other people. That's great. And when you do offer the sandwich or a drink to the homeless person, what's their reaction to you? Um, they're really grateful. I mean, it's it's probably the only meal that they're going to have for the day. You know, I'll say, you know, God bless if I can pray for you or if I can get you anything else or if you need any other kind of help, you know, some kind of, you know, service that maybe I can call someone and, you know, have somebody from a homeless shelter or something pick you up. But, you know, they're they're very grateful and appreciative. Right. 
so grateful. I think that's amazing that you do that. And I think not only are you giving them potentially their only meal of the day, but you're giving them a validation that you see them. It's like how many people just walk right by them and ignore them. And I mean, my hands in the air, I've certainly done it. But that's what they feel ignored all day. And you're giving them the, I see you and I actually care about you. And maybe that was the day that they were having a really down day and we're going to do something destructive. And now they didn't because you cared about them. Yeah, it's a human element. I've, I've had people that I don't know that have posted like problematic things on social media. Like I feel like giving up or like killing myself. I may not even know the person, something like even on LinkedIn, which isn't necessarily the, the medium where somebody would post something like that. I didn't know the person. I said, hey, you know, contact me, contact me. Here's my phone number. If you need to talk, if you need somebody else, that's obviously a lot more qualified and a professional to talk about your problems. But whatever you're going through, you know, as long as you wake up tomorrow, you can maybe combat that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just doing things like that, saying like, I care about you. I support you. I don't know you, but I am here for you. Like, can change lives, which is incredible. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you tell the audience how they can find you, where you are, social media, anything you have going on? Yeah, absolutely. So I do have a website. It's deannegoodman.com. And on there, you can see links to like my videos, the podcast, all that good stuff. Um, The podcast is in happier news. So since this is an audience, people that like podcasts, if you're looking for positive news, I do a weekly roundup of stories and it's in 10 minutes or less. So it's like an easy way to listen and get up just a real good, inspiring sense of all the cool things going on. And some of them are like little stories, like teenagers that are doing good things that you wouldn't normally hear about. So I scour the news to find as many cool and inspiring stories as possible. And um, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook as well. So you can just find me under Deanne Goodman and let me know what, what you think or just say hi. Awesome. Thanks for stopping by today. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.